Backstage Pass is made possible by Mauer Productions on Stage, producers of the classic musical Men of La Mancha, opening Friday, February 6, 2009, at the Kelsey Theater in West Windsor, New Jersey. Hello and welcome to Backstage Pass, Central New Jersey's community theater podcast. I'm John Maurer and I'll be moderating this session where we'll be discussing a true classic, Romeo and Juliet, being produced by Arts University in Hamilton, New Jersey. Romeo and Juliet is a tale of timeless love and tragedy written early in the career of William Shakespeare. It centers around two teenage star-crossed lovers whose untimely deaths ultimately unite their feuding families. It was one of Shakespeare's most popular plays during his lifetime and along with Hamlet, is one of the most frequently performed. It has had everything done to it that could be done to a story. It has been adapted, re-envisioned, updated, reworked, and retold countless times. It has been a stage musical, has been turned into a dozen different movies, and has been used as a storyline in situation comedies since the journey was invented. With me here to talk about its present incarnation is Michael McClure, Artistic Director of Arts University, Tom Buckley, Musical Director, and actors Alana Jesker, Rachel Rocco, and Kimberly Teller. Hello, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's start with you, Michael. Can you tell us a little bit about your vision for this production? Are we going to see something more pure Shakespeare or, let's say, more West Side Story? Closer to West Side Story, this is an idea that I've, I've had for a number of years and just you know, this year had the opportunity to put it together. It's a contemporary version of Romeo and Juliet. We still use the Shakespearean text, although a number of scenes are, have been cut out and replaced with contemporary music. We use songs from The Beatles, Damien Rice, the Broadway shows West Side Story, Spring Awakening. I just wanted to find songs that forwarded a part of the story, so anything we cut out wouldn't necessarily be missed. So uh, it ends up text-wise being about half as long but I think the Shakespeare purists would not be happy about it, the ones who come with the, the scripts in hand, which, which there are plenty of those. But I think it's a very interesting version of the show. And um, to compare it to anything, I would say it would be closer, closest to the Baz Luhrmann film with that had Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes in it. However, we do have a full cast of singers and dancers as well, which, which that didn't have. Now, is, is the story itself, have you, have you updated the storyline? Is it in, set in modern times, or is it set still in the period? Uh, no, it's set in modern times. The storyline, as far as the characters go, we have not changed. The only piece of the storyline that we've omitted is uh, the original version talks a lot about Romeo being hung up on his last girlfriend, Rosaline. I didn't like that. I don't like that part of it because I feel like... I want the, the romance, the love between Romeo and Juliet to be true. And mm. the Rosaline references made it feel like Juliet was a rebound. Mm. So in, in cutting about out, that's the only part of the story that we've cut out. But yeah, it's a contemporary setting. It um, has a very dark, a much darker feeling, uh, kind of a gothic, edgier feeling to it. Now, you, you were saying that you have a complement of singers and dancers in this. Is this mm. more of a... Is this like a, a one-third, 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 or is there more of a dance? Because your company is known for dance. So. Yeah, I think we, we actually have, I mean, we, at Arts University, we have a full voice and acting curriculum as well as dance. And I don't know if it's equally divided. I mean, I think it's still strong on the, the, uh, 
the acting side, but there was lots of singing in it and, and lots of dance. And, and again, we tr- just the way we use the songs, we're trying to use them to forward the story. Keeping in mind, keeping the period in mind, the old English is used to, that's what they say. That's what they say to their parents and to each other. The singers kind of represent more like their thoughts, what they think to themselves, and the dancers represent what they feel which they might not say to their family or their friends. It's kind of their own little feeling. Now, is this sort of a mix? You've got dialogue, dance, and singing happening at the same time, or do they sort of split up in here? I mean, I guess there's also something I guess we could bring to the musical director, uh, Tom. Um, I think it's a good variety of everything. With the singers and the music, we do have dancing going on through the actual. So while the music is playing, while we have singers singing we have dance so we try and incorporate everything at once and even as you know the actors aren't saying anything they're acting on stage as well so it's constant basically a constant circle of someone's always acting always dancing always music so it's a great balance of everything combining everything Um, and like michael said you know arts university we have the voice faculty you know we have a great voice faculty acting faculty and dance faculty here so we incorporate everything into the show to one now what about the musicians for this Musicians are uh, teenagers from Princeton School of Rock. The onstage band will consist of a main keyboardist, drum, bass guitar, and guitar. And at intermission, the students of School of Rock will perform two original songs that they do in their curriculum as well. So it's more of, you know, like Michael said, a very rocky, edgier deal uh, with the music-wise with this show. It's a real interesting com- uh, combination of disciplines <laughs> yeah. because it's even, you know, dancers work differently than actors do, differently than singers, and way different than rockers. And they're really wonderful. It's just, it's, it's, uh, so we're learning a lot about yeah. other disciplines that we're not as familiar now, with. How did the School of Rock get involved in this? I, get, I had the idea that I wanted to not only use them to provide the music, not, not School of Rock specifically, I wanted rock music. In, in my vision, I had two, two rock bands on stage, one called the Capulets and one called Montague. That was my original, you know, my original idea. And not being a musician myself, I didn't realize how important it was that musicians see each other when they <laughs> play. And I'm just thinking, okay, well, here's the sheet music and everybody goes off of that. But they work very differently, so it was important they see each other. So we have condensed it to one rock band on stage. And uh, we have some of the students from School of Rock who also go here. So we, uh, some of the, I was talking to some of their parents who put us in contact with the director at School of Rock, and they were interested. And I went to see a, a concert that they did, which I thought was just terrific. And they really had a nice, uh, not only sound, but just like a nice energy to the show. They underscore a lot of the dialogue and the, the scenes as well. Uh, when tension is building with Cuscio and Tybalt, um, they're underscoring the, the, they kind of build that emotion uh, musically. All of our, being a contemporary version, our, our swords, our guns, uh, we figured they were made by the manufacturer called Sword. <laughs> so we haven't changed the dialogue. You still draw your sword. But the, the gunshots are actually drum riffs. And from scene to scene, the transition takes place with kind of like a Jimi Hendrix kind of riff in between, mm-hmm. which I think is exciting. I mean, It helps a lot. Like, I'm Marcuccio, and... The just the music in general, it really gets you into that feel like something bad's gonna happen, and it just gets your energy going. It helps a lot. I think it helps you as an actor too. I yeah. mean, watching you do, do the scene, do your death scene with the musicians yeah. underscoring you, 
made a big difference. Yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, you get this vibe like, all right, you have to be in that mood. Like, and when I get shot, it's the reality. I feel like I'm in that moment and it just takes you there. Now, how many people are actually in the show itself? It's about a cast of 50, I mm-hmm. think, give or take a few. I, I remember, I, didn't, I don't think I've ever sat down and counted, but there are, um, I mean, there are a lot of principal roles in the show. So I, I think there's probably 20 characters, 20 principal actors. Mm-hmm. We have 14 dancers, probably 10 singers. About 10 to 12 singers. Anyone counting that up? No. <laughs> Rough, <laughs> roughly 50. I would say. Well, I said the last show when we did our, our holiday show, All Good Gifts, someone asked me how, um, how many people were in the cast, and I said, I think 70. And Suzanne, my, my wife, who's also the, the other artistic director here, came to me after doing the program and said, you have 110 people in the cast. <laughs> so anyone else know I'm not a good person to ask the, about? Uh, the cast itself, how did, the, how did you get them for the show? Was it an audition process? We did. We, um, we actually had open auditions. And what we do when we have our, our shows here is we open up auditions to the community with the idea that we'll consider our students first. However, we want to open it up and bring other people in as well. So that's what we did. We had a regular audition. And um, uh, I, can I, I have to tell Alana's audition story. Uh, Alana's our Juliet. And we had, I mean, so everyone auditions for Juliet. All the, I mean, we have all, mostly girls who audition, they all audition for Juliet. And I've known Alana since she was, when did you start taking dance here? Like four years ago. Yeah, so I've known her for a while, and only as a dancer. She's never taken an acting class, at least not here. Um, and she was just always this kind of quirky, quiet dancer. And I saw her at the audition and was even surprised that she was, she came to the audition. And then I just thought, oh, that's, that's cute. She's, she's going <laughs> to audition, you know, good for her. And, um, and she, was, she was just, just blew me away. And it was... Uh, it was really, and she's perfect for the role. So it was a very simple choice, and she's she's doing a wonderful job. <laughs> so Alana, how are you approaching the role of Juliet? Well, it really helps to put into perspective how the character is actually my age. She's actually younger than me, too. So it actually to see what she goes through, and to really just put myself into that role and to see, like, actually live it out, and well, not live it out, to try to put myself in that position. So. You can understand it. Yeah, I can definitely understand it and relate to it. So. Now, uh, I'm reading through some of the material, and you have Juliet, the actor. Is there Juliet, the dancer, or in this case, it's the same person? There, no, it's not. We actually separate it. Um, there, we do have a dream Juliet, and then we have our singers. We call them his vo- uh, his mind and her mind. The dancers we call his spirit, uh, his spirit and her spirit. So there is one dream Juliet who dances her feelings, if that makes sense. We do have a few uh, girls who s- sort of act as the singers and who, who represent her thoughts. But I, I, I think one of the things that when the show is done, or, or people forget when they think of Romeo and Juliet, that Juliet is only 13 years old. When, in, in, ma- in putting that in a contemporary setting, well, it was a different time then, and yes, they were married by 13 and often had kids by 13. In fact, the Lady Capulet, who uh, Juliet's mother, has a line where she says, where she's basically on her case about not being married and not being a mother yet. And her her line is, you know, I was already a mother, but it's well before I was your age. And you forget, you know, how how young they were. And you think you take a 13-year-old now in that situation, 
I mean, she's young, so I think Alana's done a great job at sort of just understanding what it would be like to go through some of this stuff. Now let's move on to Rachel. You play the nurse yes, in the show. Yes, I do. <laughs> and tell us something about uh, your presentation for the nurse. Well, um, for the nurse, um, when I approached the character, I, I definitely saw her as, she's nuts. Like, she's, <laughs> she's crazy. I mean, she basically, you know, she has these ridiculous clothes and like my hair's teased out and I actually have my teeth blackened out because I'm supposed to be a little bit older. It's very Madame Tenardier. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like an Italian grandmother. Like, it's great. So, um, but... I mean, just, just the character in general, I mean, she is the comic relief of the show, I feel, but she also has, you know, a sincere side to Juliet, and she, you know, she works for Lady Capulet and Capulet, and, I mean, just the way she comes off, I mean, yes, she's this, you know, crazy nurse, but at the same time, I think she's, you know, a character that you can really, like, learn to love like now is comic relief what you were going for yes <laughs> <laughs> so you consider yourself oh, yes. a comic as an as an actress yeah i, yeah, I can consider myself a comic yeah. i i could when rachel and i were talking about doing this and so i said well how rachel how can we make her seem older and how can we make this work and she was playing with some different things and it was working and then i had this idea one day i said she's like like Edith Bunker from All in the Family, went, went in and started watching like Edith Bunker on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And, um, and her, she doesn't do it like Edith Bunker, she's just kind of added her own flavor to it. But in being a, even being funny and being the comic relief, I think what Rachel, I, I told her last night, she absolutely blew me away at last night's rehearsal because being a character so broad and crazy, it's harder to play the drama. Because as wacky as she is, you know, she's still devastated at the end, and so she has all these dramatic moments and scenes, but she's still this, you know, whacked-out, larger-than-life character, and she's just, she's just doing a, a, a terrific, terrific job at playing that. Now, talking about drama, Kimberly, <laughs> you're Mercutio. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, simply stated, I'm fabulous. <laughs> I mean, that is my whole mindset. Um, at first, I was having a little trouble grasping the whole idea of it, because originally Marcuccio is a guy, he's Romeo's best friend, but through talking to Michael, we kind of got this direction of, well, why don't we play it as a girl? And maybe the idea that maybe I have a thing for Romeo and just he just doesn't catch on. So I kind of use that as my initiative to just every time make that line a little more, what do you know about this? And mm. I, I'm just fabulous and that's just my whole thing. <laughs> She's like, tell them about your just the fabulous is she's like a um, oh. she's like a cross between a drag queen yes. and a raver or something. I, I mean, my that. life is a party. All I ever want to do is party. I walk onto stage with a bright pink tutu on, and my hair is so far out you can I don't see how people see over me to be quite honest. And when I'm on stage, I want all eyes on me. I dance everything I do. I just have to have to be a center of attention. <laughs> Faces be dazzled. Oh, I, I have rhinestones on my face. I will proudly state that. <laughs> well, Kimberly, I think sooner or later you will come out of your shell. Oh, oh yes. I mean, I've always had a problem with that. Well, you've got a lot of talent here, but also you're bringing, uh, you're bringing talent in. There's someone from Broadway coming in for this production. Yeah, we had, um, and which was actually just, just quite by accident, we had um, somebody drop out who was our dream Romeo, and uh, and we had we do have a lot of 
um, females playing typically male roles in where it, wherever it can work. But Dream Romeo just we had to uh, had to have a male and had to have a strong strong dancer who can appear to be a teenager as well. Um, so it was so it was difficult finding that. And um, the girl playing Dream Juliet, she said, "Oh my." Uh, my good friend is um, doing uh, doing hairspray in the city. It's too bad uh, that he's doing that because you know I bet he would do it. And I'm like, it just closed. <laughs> hairspray closed, I think, on January fourth. And she's like, really? And um, so he she called him up and asked him, and, and he agreed to do it. So yeah, she was coming down to do our dream Romeo. Now you're doing this show about mm-hmm. the ultimate lovers on Valentine's Day weekend. I don't think that was an accident, was it? No, no. It, it. I, I just thought when I wanted to do the show, and I thought this would be a good year to do it, and I knew I had the talent, and more, more so, but even the space we have our, now that we have our new theater here. I, I just thought, uh, yeah, I thought Valentine's Day. Oh, you know, what? I'll tell you why. This when uh, my wife and I were dating, she was coming out of. She was. We did. A, she was in L.A. and I mean, I was in L.A. and she was in New York a lot. And she was coming out to uh, to visit me around Valentine's Day, and the national tour of Romeo and Juliet was out. And I thought, oh, what a perfect Valentine's Day gift! And that's actually what I got her and I for our Valentine's Day a number of years ago. So that's kind of what I was like, oh yeah, let's do it over Valentine's Day. And especially I don't know, as a guy looking for like, if you want to do more than chocolate and flowers, mm-hmm. I thought, hey, that's a, it's a good. Um, and we actually have a Valentine's Day package. That we're doing on our for our Saturday night show, which is uh, for thirty dollars you get two tickets and uh, we're having like a dessert reception with the cast afterwards. You know, I have live music and uh, actually my friend Alicia, who's done a number of Broadway shows, is she's she did all good gifts with us, but she's coming down just to see the show. But uh, she's going to sing with us a little bit afterwards. So, well, let's get this. Let people know where they can actually get tickets. Now, tickets are twelve fifty except for the package, yes. and are available by calling 609-586-3008? Correct. Okay, or you can go to the website? Um, you could email, except uh, we can't, you, they can't buy tickets online. Mm-hmm. Um, emailing artsyouniversity at aol.com is a good way to, to connect with us. However, we don't, it's not like uh, Ticketmaster where you can't buy tickets online. Stopping by the studio or calling is, is the best way to get them. Okay, and shows are Friday, February 13th at 8 p.m., Saturday, February 14th at 3 and 8 p.m., and Sunday, February 15th at 3 p.m. So I want to thank my guests, Michael McClure, Tom Buckley, Alana Jasker, Kimberly Teller, and Rachel Rocco for joining us here today. Thank you. Thank you. For Backstage Pass, I'm John Maurer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>